So welcome to week 23. I have a little bit of a cold today, so uh, excuse my sniffing or coughing. Halfway through I'll try to edit out as much of that as I can. But we begin week 23 at day 155 and 2 Chronicles chapter 10 verse 1 to 19. Then Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone to Shechem to make him king. When Jeroboam son of Nebat heard about it, for he was in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon's presence, Jeroboam returned from Egypt. So they summoned him. Then Jeroboam and all Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam. Your father made our yoke harsh, therefore lighten your father's harsh service, and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. Rehoboam replied, Return to me in three days. So the people left. Then King Rehoboam consulted with the elders who had served his father Solomon when he was alive, asking, How do you advise me to respond to this people? They replied, If you will be kind to these people and please them by speaking kind words to them, they will be your servants forever. But he rejected the advice of the elders who had advised him and consulted with the young men who had grown up with him, the ones serving him. He asked them, What message do you advise we send back to this people who said to me, Lighten the yoke your father put on us? Then the young men who had grown up with him told him, This is what you should say to the people who said to you, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you make it lighter on us. This is what you should say to them. My little finger is thicker than my father's loins. Now, therefore, my father burdened you with a heavy yoke, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I with barbed whips. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day, just as the king had ordered, saying, Return to me on the third day. Then the king answered them harshly. King Rehoboam rejected the elders' advice and spoke to them according to the young man's advice, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to it. My father disciplined you with whips, but I with barbed whips. The king did not listen to the people because the turn of events came from God in order that the Lord might carry out his word that he had spoken through Ahijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam son of Nebat. When all Israel saw that the king had not listened to them, the people answered the king, What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Israel, each man to your tent. David, look after your own house now. So all Israel went to their tents. But as for the Israelites living in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. Then King Rehoboam sent Hadaram, who was in charge of the forced labour, but the Israelites stoned him to death. However, King Rehoboam managed to get up into the chariot to flee to Jerusalem. Israel is in rebellion against the house of David until today. Then we read the, first, the same in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 1 to 19. Then Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone to Shechem to make him king. When Jeroboam son of Nebat heard about it, for he was in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon's presence, Jeroboam returned from Egypt. So they summoned him. Then Jeroboam and all Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam. Your father made our yoke harsh, therefore lighten your father's harsh service, and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. Rehoboam replied, Return to me in three days. So the people left. Then King Rehoboam consulted with the elders who had served his father Solomon when he was alive, asking, How do you advise me to respond to this people? They replied, If you will be kind to these people and please them by speaking kind words to them, they will be your servants forever. But he rejected the advice of the elders who had advised him 
and consulted with the young men who had grown up with him, the ones serving him. He asked them, What message do you advise we send back to this people who said to me, Lighten the yoke your father put on us? Then the young men who had grown up with him told him, This is what you should say to the people who said to you, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you make it lighter on us. This is what you should say to them. My little finger is thicker than my father's loins. Now, therefore, my father burdened you with a heavy yoke, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I with barbed whips. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day, just as the king had ordered, saying, Return to me on the third day. Then the king answered them harshly. King Rehoboam rejected the elders' advice and spoke to them according to the young man's advice, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to it. My father disciplined you with whips, but I with barbed whips. The king did not listen to the people, because the turn of events came from God, in order that the Lord might carry out his word that he had spoken through Ahijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam son of Nebat. When all Israel saw that the king had not listened to them, the people answered the king, What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Israel, each man to your tent. David, look after your own house now. So all Israel went to their tents. But as for the Israelites living in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. Then King Rehoboam sent Hadaram, who was in charge of the forced labour, but the Israelites stoned him to death. However, King Rehoboam managed to get up into the chariot to flee to Jerusalem. Israel is in rebellion against the house of David until today. Then verse 20, when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had come back, they summoned him to the assembly and made him king over all Israel. No one followed the house of David except the tribe of Judah alone. And then chapter 14, verse 21, Now Rehoboam, Solomon's son, reigned in Judah. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he became king. He reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city the Lord had chosen from all the tribes of Israel to put his name. Rehoboam's mother's name was Nama the Ammonite. And the same in Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 13. King Rehoboam established his royal power in Jerusalem. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he became king. He reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city the Lord had chosen from all the tribes of Israel to put his name. Rehoboam's mother's name was Nama the Ammonite. And then 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 21 to 33. When Rehoboam arrived in Jerusalem, he mobilized 180,000 choice warriors from the entire house of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin to fight against the house of Israel to restore the kingdom to Rehoboam, son of Solomon. But a revelation from God came to Shemaiah, the son of God. Say to Rehoboam, son of Jerusalem, king of Judah, to the whole house of Judah and Benjamin and to the rest of the people, this is what the Lord says. You are not to march up and fight against your brothers, the Israelites. Each of you must return home, for I have done this. So they listened to what the Lord said and went back as he had told them. Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there. From there he went out and built Penuel. Jeroboam said to himself, The way things are going now, the kingdom might return to the house of David. If these people regularly go to offer sacrifices in the Lord's temple in Jerusalem, the heart of these people will return to their lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah. They will murder me and go back to the king of Judah. So the king sought advice. Then he made two gold calves and he said to the people, Going to Jerusalem is too difficult for you. 
Israel, here is your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. He set up one in Bethel and put the other in Dan. This led to sin. The people walked in procession before one of the calves all the way to Dan. Jeroboam also built shrines in the high places and set up priests from every class of people who were not Levites. Jeroboam made a festival in the eighth month and the fifteenth day of the month like the festival in Judah. He offered sacrifices on the altar. He made this offering in Bethel to sacrifice to the calves he had set up. He also stationed in Bethel the priests for the high places he had set up. He offered sacrifices on the altar he had set up in Bethel on the fifteenth day of the eighth month, the month he had decided on his own. He made a festival for the Israelites, offered sacrifices on the altar and burned incense. Then we read Second Chronicles chapter 11, verse 1 to 4, and then verse 15. When Rehoboam arrived in Jerusalem, he mobilized the house of Judah and Benjamin, 180,000 choice warriors, to fight against Israel to restore the reign to Rehoboam. But the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, the man of God. Say to Rehoboam, son of Solomon, king of Judah, to all Israel and Judah and Benjamin, and to the rest of the people, this is what the Lord says. You are not to march up and fight against your brothers. Each of you must return home, for this incident has come from me. So they listened to what the Lord said and turned back from going against Jeroboam. And verse 15. Jeroboam appointed his own priests for the high places, the goat demons and the gold calves he had made. And then First Kings chapter 13 verse 1 to 10 to finish today. A man of God came from Judah to Bethel by a revelation from the Lord while Jeroboam was standing beside the altar to burn incense. The man of God cried out against the altar by a revelation from the Lord, Altar, altar, this is what the Lord God says. A son will be born to the house of David named Josiah, and he will sacrifice on you the priests of the high places who are burning incense on you. Human bones will be burned on you. He gave a sign that day. He said, This is the sign that the Lord has spoken. The altar will now be ripped apart and the ashes that are on it will be spilled out. When the king heard the word that the man of God had cried out against the altar at Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar and said, Arrest him! But the hand he stretched out against him withered and he could not pull it back to himself. The altar was ripped apart and the ashes spilled off the altar according to the sign that the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. Then the king responded to the man of God, Please plead for the favour of the Lord your God and pray for me so that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God pleaded for the favour of the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and became as it had been at first. Then the king declared to the man of God, Come home with me, refresh yourself and I'll give you a reward. But the man of God replied, If you were to give me half your house I still wouldn't go with you and I wouldn't eat bread or drink water in this place. For this is what I was commanded by the word of the Lord. You must not eat bread or drink water or go back the way you came. So he went another way. He did not go back by the way he had come to Bethel. And there we end, day 155. Day 156, and we continue through the Second Chronicles and First Kings. And we begin at Second Chronicles chapter 11, verse 5 to 17. Rehoboam stayed in Jerusalem and he fortified cities in Judah. He built up Bethlehem, Etam, Tekoa, Bethzur, Soko, Adalam, Gath, Marashah, Ziph, Adaraim, Lashish, Azekah, 
Zorah, Ajalon, and Hebron, which are fortified cities in Judah and in Benjamin. He strengthened their fortifications and put leaders in them with supplies of food, oil, and wine. He also put large shields and spears in every and each city to make them very strong. So Judah and Benjamin were his. The priests and Levites from all the regions throughout Israel took their stand with Rehoboam, for the Levites left their pasture lands and their possessions and went to Judah and Jerusalem because Jeroboam and his sons refused to let them serve as priests of the Lord. Those from every tribe of Israel who had determined in their hearts to seek the Lord their God followed the Levites to Jerusalem to sacrifice to the Lord God of their ancestors. So they strengthened the kingdom of Judah and supported Rehoboam, son of Solomon, for three years, because they walked in the way of David and Solomon for three years. In 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 11 to 32. Now a certain old prophet was living in Bethel. His son came and told him all the deeds that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. His sons also told their father the words that he had spoken to the king. Then their father said to them, Which way did he go? His sons had seen the way taken by the man of God who had come from Judah. Then he said to his son, Saddle a donkey for me. So they saddled a donkey for him and he got on it. He followed the man of God and found him sitting under an oak tree. He asked him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? I am, he said. Then he said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. But he answered, I cannot go back with you, eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For a message came to me by the word of the Lord. You must not eat bread or drink water there or go back by the way you came. He said to him, I am also a prophet like you. An angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord. Bring him back with you to your house, so that he may eat bread and drink water. The old prophet deceived him, and the man of God went back with him, ate bread in his house, and drank water. While they were sitting at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back, and the prophet cried out to the man of God who had come from Judah. This is what the Lord says, Because you rebelled against the command of the Lord, and did not keep the commandment that the Lord your God commanded you, but you went back and ate bread and drank water in the place that he said to you, Do not eat bread and do not drink water. Your corpse will never reach the grave of your fathers. So after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk, the old prophet saddled the donkey for the prophet he had brought back. When he left, a lion met him along the way and killed him. His corpse was thrown in the road and the donkey was standing beside it. The lion was standing beside the corpse too. There were men passing by who saw the corpse thrown on the road and the lion standing beside it, and they went and spoke about it in the city where the old prophet lived. When the prophet who had brought him back from his way heard about it, he said, He is the man of God who disobeyed the command of the Lord. The Lord has given him to the lion and it has mauled him and killed him, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke to him. Then the old prophet instructed his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. They saddled it and he went out and found the corpse of the man of God thrown on the road, with the donkey and the lion standing beside the corpse. The lion had not eaten the corpse or mauled the donkey. So the prophet lifted the corpse of the man of God and laid it on the donkey and brought it back. The old prophet came into the city and to mourn and to bury him. Then he laid the corpse on his own grave and they mourned over him, O oh, my brother. After he had buried him, he said to his sons, when I die, you must bury me in the grave where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the word that he cried out by a revelation from the Lord against the altar in Bethel, 
and against all the shrines of the high places in the cities of Samaria is certain to happen. Then we read Second Chronicles chapter 11, verse 8, 18 to 23. Rehoboam married Mahalath, daughter of David's son Jeremoth, and of Abihil, daughter of Jesse's son Eliab. She bore him sons, Jeush, Shemariah, and Ziam. After her he married Makkah, daughter of Absalom. She bore him Abijah, Atai, Zizah, and Shelemeth. Rehoboam loved Makkah, daughter of Absalom, more than all his wives and concubines. He acquired eighteen wives and sixty concubines, and was the father of twenty-eight sons and sixty daughters. Rehoboam appointed Abijah, son of Makkah, as chief, leader among his brothers, intending to make him king. Rehoboam also showed discernment by dispersing some of his sons to all the regions of Judah and Benjamin, and to all the fortified cities. He gave them plenty of provisions and sought many wives for them. Then we read Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 1 to 14, skipping out verse 13. When Rehoboam had established his sovereignty and royal power, he abandoned the law of the Lord, he and all Israel with him. Because they were unfaithful to the Lord in the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shishak, king of Egypt, went to war against Jerusalem with 1,200 chariots, 60,000 cavalrymen, and countless people who came with him from Egypt, Libyans, Shukim, and Ethiopians. He captured the fortified cities of Judah and came as far as Jerusalem. Then Shemaiah the prophet went to Rehoboam, the leaders of Judah who were gathered at Jerusalem because of Shishak. He said to them, This is what the Lord says. You have abandoned me, therefore I have abandoned you into the hands of Shishak. So the leaders of Israel and the king humbled themselves and said, The Lord is righteous. When the Lord saw that they had humbled themselves, the Lord's message came to Shemaiah. They have humbled themselves. I will not destroy them, but will grant them a little deliverance. My wrath will not be poured out on Jerusalem through Shishak. However, they will become his servants so that they may recognize the difference between serving me and serving the kingdoms of the land. So King Shishak of Egypt went to war against Jerusalem. He seized the treasuries of the Lord's temple and the treasuries of the royal palace. He took everything. He took the gold shields that Solomon had made. King Rehoboam had made bronze shields in their place and committed them into the care of the captains of the royal escorts, who guarded the entrance to the king's palace. Whenever the king entered the Lord's temple, the royal escorts would carry the shields and take them back to the royal escorts' armory. When Rehoboam humbled himself, the Lord's anger turned away from him, and he did not destroy him completely. Besides that, conditions were good in Judah. Rehoboam did what was evil because he did not determine in his heart to seek the Lord. And then we read 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 33-34. to 34. After all this, Jeroboam did not repent of his evil way, but again set up priests from every class of people for the high places. Whoever so desired it, he ordained, and they became priests of the high places. For the house of Jeroboam, this was the sin that caused it to be wiped out and annihilated from the face of the earth. Then we read 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 22 to 24. Judah did what was evil in the Lord's eyes. They provoked him to jealous anger more than all their ancestors had done with the sins they committed. They also built for themselves high places, sacred pillars and Asherah poles on every high hill and under every green tree. There were even male shrine prostitutes in the land. They imitated all the abominations of the nations the Lord had dispossessed before the Israelites. 
and 1 Kings 14 verse 1 to 18. At that time Abijah son of Jeroboam became sick. Jeroboam said to his wife, Go disguise yourself so they won't know that you're Jeroboam's wife and go to Shiloh. Ahijah the prophet is there. It was he who told me about becoming king over this people. Take with you ten loaves of bread, some cakes and a jar of honey and go to him. He will tell you what will happen to the boy. Jeroboam's wife did that. She went to Shiloh and arrived at Ahijah's house. Ahijah could not see. His gaze was fixed due to his age. But the Lord had said to Ahijah, Jeroboam's wife is coming soon to ask you about her son for he is sick. You are to say such and such to her. When she arrives she will be disguised. When Ahijah heard the sound of her feet entering the door he said, Come in, wife of Jeroboam. Why are you disguised? I have bad news for you. Go tell Jeroboam, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. I raised you up from among the people, appointed you ruler over my people Israel, tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you. But you were not like my servant David, who kept my commandments and followed me with all of his heart, doing only what was right in my eyes. You behaved more wickedly than all who were before you. In order to provoke me, you have proceeded to make for yourself other gods and cast images, but you have flung me behind your back. Because of all this, I am about to bring disaster on the house of Jeroboam. I will eliminate all of Jeroboam's meals, both slave and free in Israel. I will sweep away the house of Jeroboam as one sweeps away dung until it is all gone. Anyone who belongs to Jeroboam and dies in the city, the dogs will eat. And anyone who dies in the field, the birds of the sky will eat. For the Lord has said it. As for you, get up and go to your house. When your feet enter the city, the boy will die. All Israel will mourn for him and bury him. For this one alone out of Jeroboam's sons will come to the grave. Because in him alone out of the house of Jeroboam, something was found pleasing to the Lord God of Israel. The Lord will raise up for himself a king over Israel, who will eliminate the house of Jeroboam. This is the day, yes, even today. For the Lord will strike Israel, and the people will shake as a reed shakes in water. He will uproot Israel from this good soil that he gave to their forefathers. He will scatter them beyond the Euphrates, because they made their Asherah pools, provoking the Lord. He will give up Israel because of Jeroboam's sins that he committed and caused Israel to commit. Then Jeroboam's wife got up and left and went to Tirzah. As she was crossing the threshold of the house, the boy died. He was buried, and all Israel mourned for him according to the word of the Lord he had spoken through his servant Ahijah the prophet. And then verse 29 to 31. The rest of the events of Rehoboam's reign, along with all his accomplishments, are written about in the historical record of Judah's kings. There was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam throughout their reigns. Rehoboam rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. His mother's name was Namah the Ammonite. His son Abijam became king in his place. And then 1 Kings 15 verse 6. There had been war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all the days of Rehoboam's life. And then 2 Chronicles verse 12 verse, chapter 12 verse 15 to 16 to finish today. The events of Rehoboam's reign from beginning to end were written about in the events of Shemaiah the prophet and of Ido the seer concerning genealogies. There was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam throughout their reigns. Rehoboam rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. 
his son Abijah became king in his place. And there we are, day 156. Day 157, and we continue through this book of 1 Kings and 2 Chronicles, uh, and the coinciding stories, and we begin at 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 1-2. to 2. In the eighteenth year of Israel's king Jeroboam, son of Nebat, Abijam became king over Judah. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Makkah, daughter of Absalom. And then Second Chronicles 13, verse 1-19. In the eighteenth year of Israel's king Jeroboam, Abijah became king over Judah. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Michajah, daughter of Uriel. She was from Gibeah. There was war between Abijah and Jeroboam. Abijah sent his army of warriors in order with 400,000 choice men. Jeroboam arranged his mighty army of 800,000 choice men in battle formation against him. Then Abijah stood in Mount Zermaram, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, and said, Jeroboam and all Israel, hear me. Don't you know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom of over Israel to David and his descendants forever by a covenant of salt? But Jeroboam son of Nebat, a servant of Solomon son of David, rose up and rebelled against his lord. Then worthless and wicked men gathered around him to resist Rehoboam son of Solomon, when Rehoboam was young, inexperienced, and unable to assert himself against them. And now you are saying you can assert yourselves against the Lord's kingdom in the hand of one of David's sons. You are a vast multitude and have with you the golden calves that Jeroboam made for you as gods. Didn't you banish the priests of the Lord, the descendants of Aaron and the Levites, and make your own priests like the peoples of other lands do? Whoever comes to ordain himself with a young bull and seven rams may become a priest of what are not gods. But as for us, the Lord is our God. We have not abandoned him. The priests ministering to the Lord are descendants of Aaron and the Levites serve at their tasks. They offer a burnt offering and fragrant incense to the Lord every morning and every evening, and they set the rose of the bread of presence on the ceremonially clean table. They light the lamp of the gold lampstand every evening. We are carrying out the requirements of the Lord our God while you have abandoned him. Look, God and his priests are with us at our head. The trumpets are ready to sound the charge against you. Israelites, don't fight against the Lord God of your ancestors, for you will not succeed. Now Jeroboam had set an ambush around to advance from behind them. So they were in front of Judah, and the ambush was behind them. Judah turned and discovered that the battle was in front of them and behind them, so they cried out to the Lord. Then the priests blew the trumpets, and the men of Judah raised the battle cry. When the men of Judah raised the battle cry, God routed Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. So the Israelites fled before Judah, and God handed them over to them. Then Abijah and his people struck them with a mighty blow, and five hundred thousand choice men of Israel were killed. The Israelites were subdued at that time. The Judahites succeeded because they depended on the Lord, the God of their ancestors. Abijah pursued Jeroboam and captured some cities from him, Bethel and its villages, Jeshanah and its villages, and Ephron and its villages. And then we read Second Chronicles 13, verse 21 to 22. However, Abijab grew strong, acquired fourteen wives, and fathered twenty-two sons and sixteen daughters. The rest of the events of Abijah's reign, along with his ways and his sayings, are written about in the writing of the prophet Edo. Then we read 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 3 to 
Verse 11. Abijam walked in all the sins his father had done before him, and he was not completely devoted to the Lord his God, as his ancestor David had been. But because of David, the Lord his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem to raise up his son after him, and to establish Jerusalem, because David did what was right in the Lord's eyes, and he did not turn aside from anything he had commanded him all the days of his life, except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. The arrest of the events of Abijam's reign, along with all his accomplishments, are written about in the historical record of Judah's kings. There was also war between Abijam and Jeroboam. Abijam rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. His son Asa became king in his place. In the twentieth year of Israel's king Jeroboam, Asa became king of Judah. He reigned forty-one years in Jerusalem. His grandmother's name was Machah, daughter of Abishalom. Asa did what was right in the Lord's eyes, as his ancestor David had done. Then we read Second Chronicles chapter 14, verse 1-8. Abijah rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. His son Asa became king in his place. During his reign the land experienced peace for ten years. Asa did what was good and right in the sight of the Lord his God. He removed the pagan altars in the high places. He shattered their sacred pillars and chopped down their Asherah poles. He told the people of Judah to seek the Lord God of their ancestors and to carry out the instruction and the command. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah, and the kingdom experienced peace under him. Because the land experienced peace, Asa built fortified cities in Judah. No one made war with him in those days, because the Lord gave him rest. So he said to the people of Judah, Let's build these cities and surround them with walls and towers, with doors and bars. The land is still ours, because we sought the Lord our God. We sought him, and he gave us rest on every side. So they built and succeeded. Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah, bearing large shields and spears, and 280,000 from Benjamin, bearing regular shields and drawing the bow. All these were brave warriors. Then we read 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 19 to 20. As for the rest of the events of Jeroboam's reign, how he waged war and how he reigned, note that they are written about in the historical record of Israel's kings. The length of Jeroboam's reign was twenty-two years. He rested with his fathers and his son Nadab became king in his place. Then we read Second Chronicles chapter 13 verse 20. Jeroboam no longer retained his power during Abijah's reign. Ultimately the Lord struck him and he died. And then we read First Kings chapter 15 verse 25 to 30. Nadab son of Jeroboam became king over Israel in the second year of Judah's king Asa. He reigned over Israel two years. Nadab did what was evil in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his father and the sin he had caused Israel to commit. Then Basha, son of Ahijah of the house of Ishkar, conspired against Nadab and Basha struck him down at Gibbethon of the Philistines, while Nadab and all Israel were besieging Gibbethon. In the third year of Judah's king Asa, Basha killed Nadab and reigned in his place. When Basha became king, he struck down the entire house of Jeroboam. He did not leave Jeroboam anyone alive until he had destroyed his family, according to the word of the Lord he had spoken through his servant Ahijah the Shilonite. This was because of Jeroboam's sins he had committed, and had caused Israel to commit in the provocation he had provoked the Lord God of Israel with. The rest of the events of Nadab's reign, along with all his accomplishments, 
are written about in the historical record of Israel's kings. In the third year of Judah's king Asa, Basha son of Ahijah became king over all Israel at Tirzah. He reigned twenty-four years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight and followed the example of Jeroboam and the sin he had caused Israel to commit. Then we read Second Chronicles chapter 14, verse 9 to 15. Then Zerah the Cushite came against them with an army of one million men and three hundred chariots. They came as far as Marashah. So Asa marched out against him and lined up in battle formation in the valley of Zaphathah at Marashah. Then Asa cried out to the Lord his God, Lord, there is no one beside you to help the mighty and those without strength. Help us, Lord our God, for we depend on you, and in your name we have come against this multitude. Lord, you are our God. Do not let a mere mortal hinder you. So the Lord routed the Cushites before Asa and before Judah, and the Cushites fled. Then Asa and the people who were with him pursued them as far as Gerar. The Cushites fell until they had no survivors, for they were crushed before the Lord and before his army. So the people of Judah carried off a great supply of loot. Then they attacked all the cities around Gerar because the terror of the Lord was on them. They also plundered all the cities since there was a great deal of plunder in them. They also attacked the tents of the herdsmen and captured many sheep and camels. Then they returned to Jerusalem. And we read Psalm 77 verse 1 to 20 to finish today. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In my day of trouble I sought the Lord. My hands were lifted up all night long. I refused to be comforted. I think of God, I groan. I meditate, my spirit becomes weak. You have kept me from closing my eyes. I am troubled and cannot speak. I consider days of old, years long past. At night I remember my music. I meditate in my heart and my spirit ponders. Will the Lord reject forever and never again show favour? Has his faithful love ceased forever? Is his promise at an end for all generations? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? So I say, it is my sorrow that the right hand of the Most High has changed. I will remember the Lord's works. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all you have done and meditate on your actions. God, your way is holy. What God is great like God? You are the God whose works wonders. You revealed your strength among the peoples. With power you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and trembled. Even the depths shook. The clouds poured down water. The storm clouds thundered. Your arrows flashed back and forth. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind, lighting up the world. The earth shook and quaked. Your way went through the sea and your path through the great waters, but your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And there we end, day 157. Day 158, and we continue on these stories through Second Chronicles and First Kings. And we begin reading Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 1 to 19. The Spirit of God came on Azariah, son of Oded. So he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Asa and all Judah and Benjamin, hear me. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. For many years Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest and without law. But when they turned to the Lord God of Israel in their distress and sought him, he was found by them. 
In those times there was no peace for those who went about their daily activities because the residents of the lands had many conflicts. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every possible distress. But as for you, be strong, don't be discouraged, for your work has a reward. When Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Azariah, son of Oded the prophet, he took courage and removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin, and from the cities he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim. He renovated the altar of the Lord that was in front of the vestibule of the Lord's temple. Then he gathered all Judah and Benjamin, as well as all those from the tribes of Ephraim, Manasseh and Simeon, who had settled among them. For they had defected to him from Israel in great numbers when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. They were gathered in Jerusalem in the third month of the fifteenth year of Asa's reign. At that time they sacrificed to the Lord seven hundred cattle and seven thousand sheep from all the plunder they had brought. Then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their ancestors with all their mind and all their heart. Whoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel would be put to death, young or old, man or woman. They took an oath to the Lord in a loud voice, with shouting, with trumpets and with ram's horns. All Judah rejoiced over the oath, for they had sworn it with all their mind. They had sought him with all their heart, and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. King Asa also removed Machah, his grandmother, from being queen mother, because she had made an obscene image of Asherah. Asa chopped down her obscene image, then crushed it and burned it in the Kidron Valley. The high places were not taken away from Israel, nevertheless, Asa was wholehearted his entire life. He brought his father's consecrated gifts and his own consecrated gifts into God's temple, silver, gold and utensils. There was no war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. And then we read 1 Kings from chapter 15, verse 12 through to verse 16. He banished the male shrine prostitutes from the land and removed all of the idols that his fathers had made. He also removed his grandmother Machah from being queen mother because she had made an obscene image of Asherah. Asa chopped down her obscene image and burned it in the Kidron Valley. The high places were not taken away, but Asa's heart was completely with the Lord his entire life. He brought his father's consecrated gifts and his own consecrated gifts into the Lord's temple, silver, gold and utensils. There was war between Asa and Basha, king of Israel, throughout their reigns. And then we read 1 Kings chapter 15 verse 32. There was war between Asa and Basha, king of Israel, throughout their reigns. And then we read 2 Chronicles chapter 16 verse 1 to 10. In the 36th year of Asa, Israel's king Basha went to war against Judah. He built Ramah in order to deny anyone's access coming or going to Judah's king Asa. So Asa brought out the silver and gold from the treasuries of the Lord's temple in the royal palace and sent it to Aram's king Ben-Hadad, who lived in Damascus, saying, There's a treaty between me and you, between my father and your father. Look, I have sent you silver and gold. Go break your treaty with Israel's king Basha so that he may will withdraw from me. Ben-Hadad listened to King Asa and sent the commanders of his armies to the cities of Israel. They attacked John, Dan, Abel-Maim and all the storage cities of Naphtali. When Basha heard about it, he quit building Ramah and stopped his work. Then King Asa 
brought all Judah, and they carried away the stones of Ramah and the timbers Bashah had built it with. Then he built Gubah and Mizpah with them. At that time Hanani the seer came to King Asa of Judah and said to him, Because you depended on the king of Aram and have not depended on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. Were not the Cushites and Libyans a vast army with many chariots and horsemen? When you depended on the Lord, he handed them over to you. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to show himself strong for those whose hearts are completely his. You have been foolish in this matter, for from now on you will have wars. Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison because of his anger over this, and Asa mistreated some of the people at that time. And then we read First Kings chapter 15, verse 17 to chapter 16, verse 33. Israel's king Basha went to war against Judah. He built Ramah in order to deny anyone access to Judah's king Asa. So Asa withdrew all the silver and gold that remained in the treasuries of the Lord's temple and the treasuries of the royal palace and put it into the hands of his servants. Then king Asa sent them to Ben-Hadad, son of Tabermon, son of Hesion, king of Aram, who lived in Damascus, saying, There is a treaty between me and you, between my father and your father. Look, I have sent you a gift of silver and gold. Go and break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. Ben-Hadad listened to king Asa and sent the commanders of his armies against the cities of Israel. He attacked Ejon, Dan, Ebel, Beth, Makkah, and Shishloroth, and the whole land of Naphtali. When Bashah heard about it, he quit building Ramah and stayed in Tirzah. Then King Asa gave a command to everyone without exception in Judah, and they carried away the stones of Ramah and the timbers Bashah had built with it. Then King Asa built Gabah of Benjamin and Mizpah with them. Now the word of the Lord came to Jehu son of Hanani against Bashah. Because I raised you up from the dust and made you ruler over my people Israel, but you have walked in the way of Jeroboam and have caused my people Israel to sin, provoking me with their sins, take note. I will sweep away Basha and his house, and I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam son of Nebat. Anyone who belongs to Basha and dies in the city the dogs will eat, and anyone who is his and dies in the field the birds of the sky will eat. The rest of the events of Basha's reign along with all his accomplishments and might, are written about in the historical record of Israel's kings. Basha rested with his fathers and was buried in Tirzah. His son Elah became a king in his place. Through the prophet Jehu, son of Hanani, the word of the Lord also came against Basha and against his house, because of all the evil he had done in the Lord's sight, provoking him with the work of his hands and being like the house of Jeroboam, and because Basha had struck down the house of Jeroboam. In the twenty-sixth year of Judah's king Asa, Elah son of Basha became king over Israel in Terzah. He reigned two years. His servant Zimri, commander of half his chariots, conspired against him while Elah was in Terzah, drinking himself drunk in the house of Arzah, who was in charge of the household at Terzah. In the twenty-seventh year of Judah's king Asa, Zimri went in, struck Elah down and killed him. Then Zimri became king in his place. When he became king as soon as he was seated on the throne, Zimri struck down the entire house of Basha. He did not leave a single meal, whether of his kinsmen or his friends. So Zimri exterminated the entire house of Basha. According to the word of the Lord, he had spoken against Basha through Jehu the prophet. Because of all the sins of Basha and the sins of his son Elah, 
which they committed and caused Israel to commit, provoking the Lord God of Israel with their worthless idols. The rest of the events of Elah's reign, along with all his accomplishments, are written about in the historical record of Israel's kings. In the 27th year of Judah's king Asa, Zimri became king for seven days in Tirzah. Now the troops were encamped against Gibbethon of the Philistines. When the encamped troops heard that Zimri had not only conspired but had also struck down the king, then all Israel made Omri the army commander king over Israel that very day in the camp. Omri along with all Israel marched up from Gibbethon and besieged Tirzah. When Zimri saw that the city was captured, he entered the citadel of the royal palace and burned down the royal palace over himself. He died because of his sin he committed by doing what was evil in the Lord's sight, and by following the example of Jeroboam and the sin he caused Israel to commit. The rest of the events of Zimri's reign, along with the conspiracy that he instigated, are written about in the historical record of Israel's kings. At that time the people of Israel were split in half. Half the people followed Tibni son of Ginnatha to make him king and half followed Omri. However, the people who followed Omri proved stronger than those who followed Tibni son of Ginnath. So Tibni died and Omri became king. In the 31st year of Judah's king Asa, Omri became king over Israel. He reigned 12 years. He reigned 6 years in Tizra. Then he brought the hill of Samaria from Shemer for 150 pounds of silver and he built up the hill. He named the city he built Samaria based on the name Shemer, the owner of the hill. Omri did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He did more evil than all who were before him. He followed the example of Jeroboam son of Nebat and the sins he caused Israel to commit, provoking the Lord God of Israel with their worthless idols. The rest of the events of Omni's reign, along with his accomplishments and the might he exercised, are written about in the historical record of Israel's kings. Omri rested with his fathers and was buried in Samaria. His son Ahab became king in his place. Ahab son of Omri became king over Israel in the 38th year of Judah's king Asa. Ahab son of Omri reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. But Ahab son of Omri did what was evil in the Lord's sight more than all who were before him. Then, as if following the sin of Jeroboam son of Nebat were a trivial matter, he married Jezebel, a daughter of Ethbal, king of the Sidonians, and then proceeded to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he had built in Samaria. Ahab also made Nasher a pole. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Then we read 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 25 to 26. Still there was no one like Ahab who devoted himself to do what was evil in the Lord's sight, because his wife Jezebel incited him. He committed the most detestable acts by going after idols as the Amorites had, whom the Lord God had dispossessed before the Israelites. And then 1 Kings chapter 15 verse 23. The rest of the events of Asa's reign along with all his might, all his accomplishments and the cities he built, are written about in the historical record of Judah's kings, but in his old age he developed a disease in his feet. And Second Chronicles chapter 16 verse 11 to 12 to finish today. Note that the events of Asa's reign from beginning to end are written about in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a disease in his feet and his disease became increasingly severe. 
Yet even in his disease he didn't seek the Lord, but the physicians. And there we end. Day 158. Day 159. And we continue through this First Kings and Second Chronicles. And we begin today at First Kings chapter 15, verse 24. Then Asa rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of his forefather David. His son Jehoshaphat became king in his place. In Second Chronicles 16, verse 13 to 14, Asa died in the 41st year of his reign and rested with his fathers. He was buried in his own tomb that he had hewn out for himself in the city of David. They laid him out in a coffin that was full of spices and various mixtures of prepared ointments. Then they made a great fire in his honour. First Kings 16, verse 34. During his reign, Hael the Bethelite built Jericho. At the cost of Abiram, his firstborn, he laid its foundation, and at the cost of Segub, his youngest, he set up its gates. According to the word of the Lord, he had spoken through Joshua, son of Nun. First Kings 18, verse 3 to 4. Obadiah was a man who greatly feared the Lord and took 100 prophets and hid them, 50 men to a cave and provided them with food and water when Jezebel slaughtered the Lord's prophets. In 2 Chronicles 20 verse 31 to 33. Jehoshaphat became king over Judah. He was 35 years old when he became king. He reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azubah, daughter of Shelah. He walked in the way of Asa, his father. He did not turn away from it, but did what was right in the Lord's sight. However, the high places were not taken away. The people had not yet determined in their hearts to worship the God of their ancestors. In 1 Kings 22, verse 41 to 43. Jehoshaphat, son of Asa, became king over Judah in the fourth year of Israel's King Ahab. Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he became king. He reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azubah, daughter of Shili. He walked in all the ways of his father Asa. He did not turn away from them, but did what was right in the Lord's sight. However, the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. And verse 46. He removed from the land the rest of the male shrine prostitutes who were left from the days of his father Asa. And Second Chronicles chapter 17 verse 1 to chapter 18 verse 1. His son Jehoshaphat became king in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. He stationed troops in every fortified city of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim that his father Asa had captured. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals but sought the God of his father and walked by his commands, not according to the practices of Israel. So the Lord established the kingdom in his hand. Then all Judah brought him tribute, and he had riches and honour in abundance. His mind rejoiced in the Lord's ways, and he again removed the high places and Asherah poles from Judah. In the third year of his reign, Jehoshaphat sent his officials, Ben-Hil, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathanael, and Micaiah to teach in the cities of Judah. The Levites with them were Shemaiah, Nathanai, Zebediah, Ashahel, Shemaramuth, Jehonathan, Adnajah, Tobijah, Tobiah Donajah, the priest Elishama and Jehoram were with these Levites. They taught throughout Judah, having the book of the Lord's instruction with them. They went throughout the towns of Judah and taught the people. The terror of the Lord was on all the kingdoms of the lands that surrounded Judah, so they didn't fight against Jehoshaphat. 
Some of the Philistines also brought gifts and silver as tribute to Jehoshaphat, and the Arabs brought him flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. Jehoshaphat grew stronger and stronger. He built fortresses and storage cities in Judah and carried out great works in the towns of Judah. He had fighting men, brave warriors in Jerusalem. These are their numbers according to their ancestral families. For Judah the commanders of thousands. Adna the commander and three hundred thousand brave warriors with him. Next to him Jehoahan the commander and two hundred and eighty thousand with him. Next to him Amasai son of Zichri the volunteer of the Lord and two hundred thousand brave warriors with him. From Benjamin Eliadah a brave warrior and two hundred thousand with him armed with bow and shield. Next to him Jehozadab and a hundred and eighty thousand with him equipped for war. These were the ones who served the king besides those he stationed in the fortified cities throughout all Judah. Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honour in abundance and he made an alliance with Ahab through marriage. And then we read 1 Kings chapter 17 verse 1 to chapter 18 verse 16 for the rest of today. Now Elijah the Tishbite from the Gilead settlers said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives, I stand before him, and there will be no dew or rain during these years except by my command. Then a revelation from the Lord came to him. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide yourself at the Wadi Cherith where it enters the Jordan. You are to drink from the Wadi. I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he did what the Lord commanded. Elijah left and lived by the Wadi Cherith where it enters the Jordan. The ravens kept bringing him bread and meat in the morning and in the evening, and he drank from the wadi. After a while the wadi dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Get up, go to Zarephath that belongs to Sidon and stay there. Look, I have commanded a woman who is a widow to provide for you there. So Elijah got up and went to Zarephath. When he arrived at the city gate there was a widow woman gathering wood. Elijah called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup and let me drink. As she went to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I don't have anything baked, only a handful of flour in the jar and a bit of oil in the jug. Just now I am gathering a couple of sticks in order to go prepare it for myself and my son, so we can eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid, go and do as you have said. Only make me a small loaf from it and bring it out to me. Afterwards you may make some for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The flour jar will not become empty and the oil jug will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the surface of the land. So she proceeded to do according to the word of Elijah. She and he and her household ate for many days. The flour jar did not become empty and the oil jug did not run dry. According to the word of the Lord he had spoken through Elijah. After this the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. His illness became very severe until no breath remained in him. She said to Elijah, Man of God, what do we have in common? Have you come to remind me of my guilt and to kill my son? But Elijah said to her, Give me your son. So he took him from her arms, brought him up to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, My Lord God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow I am staying with by killing her son? Then he stretched himself out over the boy three times. 
He cried out to the Lord and said, My Lord God, please let this boy's life return to him. So the Lord listened to Elijah's voice, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Then Elijah took the boy, brought him down from the upper room into the house, and gave him to his mother. Elijah said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know you are a man of God, and the Lord's word in your mouth is the truth. After a long time the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, Go and present yourself to Ahab. I will send rain on the surface of the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. The famine was severe in Samaria. Ahab called for Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace. Ahab said to Obadiah, Go throughout the land to every spring of water and to every wadi. Perhaps we'll find grass so we can keep the horses and mules alive and not have to destroy any cattle. They divided the land between them in order to cover it. Ahab went one way by himself and Obadiah went the other way by himself. When Obadiah was walking along the road, Elijah suddenly met him. When Obadiah recognized him, he fell with his face to the ground and said, It is you, my lord Elijah. It is I, he replied. Go tell your lord Elijah is here. But Obadiah said, What sin have I committed that you are handing your servant over to Ahab to put me to death? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not sent someone to search for you. When they said he is not here, he made that kingdom or nation swear they had not found you. Now you say, go tell your Lord Elijah is here. But when I leave you, the Spirit of the Lord may carry you off to some place I don't know. Then when I go, report to Ahab and he doesn't find you, he will kill me. But I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Wasn't it reported to my Lord what I did when Jezebel slaughtered the Lord's prophets? I hid one hundred of the prophets of the Lord, fifty men to a cave, and I provided them with food and water. Now you say, go, tell your Lord Elijah is here, he will kill me. Then Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts lives, before whom I stand, today I will present myself to Ahab. Obadiah went to meet Ahab and report to him. Then Ahab went to meet Elijah. And there we end, day 159. Day 160, and we this is a, a very straightforward day. We simply go from 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17, through to chapter 20, verse 21. And it follows the story of Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is that you, you destroyer of Israel? He replied, I have not destroyed Israel, but you and your father's house have, because you have abandoned the Lord's commandments and followed the Baals. Now summon all Israel to meet me at Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab summoned all the Israelites and gathered the prophets of Mount Carmel. Then Elijah approached all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If Yahweh is God, follow him, but if Baal, follow him. But the people didn't answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I am the only remaining prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us. They are to choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces and place it on the wood, but not light the fire. I will prepare the other bull and place it on the wood, but not light the fire. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of Yahweh. The God who answers with fire, he is God. All the people answered, that sounds good. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, since you are so num numerous, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first. Then call on the name of your God, but don't light the fire. 
So they took the bull that he gave them, prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Baal, answer us. But there was no sound, no one answered. Then they did their lame dance around the altar they had made. At noon Elijah mocked them. He said, Shout loudly, for he's a god. Maybe he's thinking it over. Maybe he has wandered away, or maybe he's on the road. Perhaps he was sleeping, and now will get up. They shouted loudly and cut themselves with knives and spears according to their custom until blood gushed out on them. All afternoon they kept on raving until the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no sound, no one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near me. So all the people approached him. Then he repaired the Lord's altar that had been torn down. Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel will be your name. And he built an altar with the stones in the name of Yahweh. Then he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold about four gallons. Next he arranged the wood, cut up the bull, and placed it on the wood. He said, Fill four water pots with water, and pour it on the offering to be burned and on the wood. Then he said a second time, and they did it a second time. And then he said a third time, and they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar. He even filled the trench with water. At the time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet approached the altar and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that at your word I have done all these things. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so that this people will know that you, Yahweh, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then Yahweh's fire fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell face down and said, Yahweh, he is God, Yahweh, he is God. Then Elijah ordered them, Seize the prophets of Baal, do not let even one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the Wadi Kishon and slaughtered them there. Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of a rainstorm. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the summit of Carmel. He bowed down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, Go up and look toward the sea. So he went up, looked, and said, There's nothing. Seven times Elijah said, Go back. On the seventh time he reported, There's a cloud as small as a man's hand coming from the sea. Then Elijah said, Go and tell Ahab, Get your chariot ready and go down so the rain doesn't stop you. In a little while the sky grew dark with clouds and wind and there was a downpour. So Ahab got in his chariot and went to Jezreel. The power of the Lord was in Elijah and he tucked his mantle under his belt and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, May the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there, but he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I have had enough. Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him. The angel told him, Get up and eat. Then he looked, and there at his head was a loaf of bread baked over hot stones and a jug of water. 
So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord returned a second time and touched him. He said, Get up and eat, or the journey will be too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank. Then on the strength from that food he walked forty days and forty nights into Tohoreb, the mountain of God. He entered a cave there and spent the night. Then the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, tore down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I am alone, am left, and they are looking for me to take my life. Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At that moment the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, he replied. But the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, tore down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are looking for me to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go and return by the way you came to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you are to anoint Hazael as king over Aram. You are to anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, as prophet in your place. Then Jehu will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Jehu. But I will leave seven thousand in Israel, every knee that has not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Elijah left there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, as he was ploughing. Twelve teams of oxen were in front of him, and he was with the twelfth team. Elijah walked by him and threw his mantle over him. Elisha left the oxen, ran to follow Elijah, and said, Please let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. Go on back, he replied, for what have I done to you? So he turned back from following him, took the team of oxen, and slaughtered them. With the oxen's wooden yoke and ploy, he cooked the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he left, followed Elijah, and served him. Now Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, assembled his entire army. Thirty-two kings, along with horses and chariotry, were with him. He marched up, besieged Samaria, and fought against it. He sent messengers into the city to Ahab, king of Israel, and said to him, This is what Ben-Hadad says. Your silver and your gold are mine, and your best wives and children are mine as well. Then the king of Israel answered, Just as you say, my lord king, I am yours, along with all that I have. The messengers then returned and said, This is what Ben-Hadad says. I have sent messengers to you, saying, Your silver, your gold, your wives and your children, you are to give me. But at this time tomorrow I will send my servants to you, and they will search your palace and your servants' houses. Whatever is precious to you they will lay their hands on and take away. Then the king of Israel called for all the elders of the land and said, Think it over, and you will see that this one is only looking for trouble. For he demanded my wives, my children, my silver, and my gold, and I didn't turn him down. All the elders and all the people said to him, Don't listen nor agree. So he said to Ben-Hadad's messengers, Say to my lord the king, 
Everything you demanded of your servant the first time I will do, but this thing I cannot do. So the messengers left and took word back to him. Then Ben-Hadad sent messengers to him and said, May the gods punish me and do so severely if Samaria's dust amounts to a handful for each of the people who follow me. The king of Israel answered, Say this, Let not him who puts on his armour boast like the one who takes it off. When Ben-Hadad heard this response, while he and the kings were drinking in the tents, he said to his servants, Take your positions. So they took their positions against the city. A prophet came to Ahab king of Israel and said, This is what the Lord says. Do you see this entire immense horde? Watch, I am handing it over to you today so that you may know that I am the Lord. Ahab asked, By whom? And the prophet said, This is what the Lord says by the young men of the provincial leaders. Then he asked, Who is to start the battle? He said, You. So Ahab counted the young men of the provincial leaders, and there were 232. After them he counted all the Israelite troops, 7,000. They marched out at noon while Ben-Hadad and the 32 kings who were helping him were getting drunk in the tents. The young men of the provincial leaders marched out first. Then Ben-Hadad sent out scouts, and they reported to him, saying, Men are marching out of Samaria. So he said, If they have marched out in peace, take them alive, and if they have marched out for battle, take them alive. The young men of the provincial leaders and the army behind them marched out from the city, and each one struck down his opponent. So the Arameans fled, and Israel pursued them. But Ben-Hadad king of Aram escaped on a horse with the cavalry. Then the king of Israel marched out and attacked the cavalry and the chariotry. He inflicted a great slaughter on Aram. And there we end, day 160. So day 161, the last day of week 23. And we continue through First Kings, reading from chapter 20, verse 22, through to chapter 21, sorry, 22, verse 6. The prophet approached the king of Israel and said to him, Go and strengthen yourself, then consider what you should do. For in the spring the king of Aram will march up against you. Now the king of Aram's servants said to him, Their gods are gods of the hill country, that's why they were stronger than we. Instead we should fight with them in the plain, then we will certainly be stronger than they. Also do this, remove each king from his position and appoint captains in their place. Raise another army for yourself like the army you lost, horse for horse, chariot for chariot, and let's fight with them in the plain, and we will be stronger than they. The king listened to them and did so. In the spring Ben-Hadad mobilised the Arameans and went up to Aphek to battle Israel. The Israelites mobilised, gathered supplies and went to fight them. The Israelites camped in front of them like two little flocks of goats, while the Arameans filled the landscape. Then the man of God approached and said to the king of Israel, This is what the Lord says, because the Arameans have said, The Lord is the God of the mountains and not a God of the valleys. I will hand over this entire immense hoard to you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. They camped opposite each other for seven days. On the seventh day the battle took place and the Israelites struck down the Arameans, 100,000 foot soldiers in one day. The ones who remained fled into the city of Aphek and the wall fell on those 27,000 remaining men. Ben-Hadad also fled and went into an inner room in the city. His servants said to him, 
Consider this, we have heard that the kings of the house of Israel are kings who show special kindness. So let's put sackcloth around our waists and ropes around our heads, and let's go out to the king of Israel. Perhaps he will spare your life. So they dressed with sackcloth around their waist and ropes around their heads, went to the king of Israel and said, Your servant Ben-Hadad says, Please spare my life. So he said, Is he still alive? He is my brother. Now the men were looking for a sign of hope, so they quickly latched on to the hint and said, Yes, your brother Ben-Hadad. Then he said, Go and bring him. So Ben-Hadad came out to him, and Ahab had him come up into the chariot. Then Ben-Hadad said to him, the cities that my father took from your father I restore to you, and you may set up marketplaces for yourself in Damascus like my father set up in Samaria. Ahab responded, On the basis of this treaty I release you. So he made a treaty with him and released him. One of the sons of the prophet said to his fellow prophet by the word of the Lord, Strike me! But the man refused to strike him. He told him, because you did not listen to the voice of the Lord, mark my words, when you leave me a lion will kill you. And when he left him, a lion found him and killed him. The prophet found another man and said to him, Strike me. So the man struck him, inflicting a wound. Then the prophet went and waited for the king on the road. He disguised himself with a bandage over his eyes. As the king was passing by, he cried out to the king and said, Your servant marched out into the midst of the battle. Suddenly a man turned aside and brought someone to me and said, Guard this man. If he is ever missing, it will be your life in place of his life, or you will weigh out seventy-five pounds of silver. But while your servant was busy here and there, he disappeared. The king of Israel said to him, That will be your sentence. You yourself have decided it. He quickly removed the bandage from his eyes. The king of Israel recognized that he was one of the prophets. The prophet said to him, this is what the Lord says, because you released from the hand the man I had devoted to destruction, it will be your life in place of his life and your people in place of his people. The king of Israel left for whom resentful and angry, and he entered Samaria. Some time passed after these events. Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard. It was in Jezreel next to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard so I can have it for a vegetable garden since it is right next to my palace. I will give you a better vineyard in its place, or if you prefer, I will give you its value in silver. But Naboth said to Ahab, I will never give my father's inheritance to you. So Ahab went to his palace resentful and angry because of what Naboth the Jezreelite had told him. He had said, I will not give you my father's inheritance. He lay down on his bed, turned his face away, and didn't eat any food. Then his wife Jezebel came to him and said to him, Why are you so upset that you refuse to eat? Because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite, he replied. I told him, Give me your vineyard for silver, or if you wish, I will give you a vineyard in its place. But he said, I won't give you my vineyard. Then his wife Jezebel said to him, Now exercise your royal power over Israel. Get up, eat some food, and be happy, for I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. She sent the letters to the elders and nobles who lived with Naboth in his city. In the letters she wrote, Proclaim a fast and seat Naboth at the head of the people. Then seat two wicked men opposite him and have them testify against him, saying, You have cursed God and king. Then take him out and stone him to death. 
The men of his city, the elders and nobles who lived in his city, did as Jezebel had commanded them, as was written in the letters she had sent them. They proclaimed a fast and seated them both at the head of the people. The two wicked men came in and sat opposite him. Then the wicked men testified against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth has cursed God and king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death with stones. Then they sent word to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned to death. When Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned to death, she said to Ahab, Get up and take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, who refused to give it to you for silver, since Naboth isn't alive but dead. When Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, he got up to go down to the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite to take possession of it. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Get up and go to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who is in Samaria. You'll find him in Naboth's vineyard, where he has gone to take possession of it. Tell him, this is what the Lord says. Have you murdered and also taken possession? Then tell him, this is what the Lord says, in the place where the dogs licked Naboth's blood, the dogs will lick your blood also. Ahab said to Elijah, So you have caught me, my enemy. He replied, I have caught you because you devoted yourself to do what is evil in the Lord's sight. This is what the Lord says, I am about to bring disaster on you and will sweep away your descendants. I will eliminate all of Ahab's males, both slave and free, in Israel. I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, son of Debat, and like the house of Baasha, son of Ahijah, because you have provoked my anger and caused Israel to sin. The Lord also speaks of Jezebel. The dogs will eat Jezebel in the plot of land at Jezreel. He who belongs to Ahab and dies in the city, the dogs will eat, and he who dies in the field, the birds of the sky will eat. When Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes, put sackcloth over his body, and fasted. He lay down in sackcloth and walked around subdued. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? I will not bring the disaster during his lifetime, because he has humbled himself before me. I will bring the disaster on his house during his son's lifetime. There was a lull of three years without war between Aram and Israel. However, in the third year, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went to visit the king of Israel. The king of Israel had said to his servants, Don't you know that Ramoth Gilead is ours, but we have failed to take it from the hand of the king of Aram? So he asked Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to fight Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. But Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, First, please ask what the Lord's will is. So the king of Israel gathered the prophets, about four hundred men, and asked them, Should I go against Ramoth-Gilead for war, or should I refrain? They replied, March up, and the Lord will hand it over to the king. Then we skip from First Kings chapter 22, verse 6, and read chapter 22, verses 10 to 12. Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, clothed in royal attire, were each sitting on his own throne. They were on the threshing floor at the entrance to Samaria's gates, and all the prophets were prophesying in front of them. Then Zedekiah, son of Shaniah, made iron horns and said, This is what the Lord says, You will gore the Arameans with these until they are finished off. And all the prophets were prophesying the same, March up to Ramoth-Gilead and succeed, for the Lord will hand it over to the king. 
Then we read Second Chronicles chapter 18, verse 2 to 5, and then verse 9 to 11 to finish today. Then after some years he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria. Ahab sacrificed many sheep and cattle for him and for the people who were with him. Then he persuaded him to march up to Ramoth-Gilead. For Israel's king Ahab asked Judah's king Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to Ramoth-Gilead? He replied to him, I am as you are, my people as your people. We will be with you in battle. But Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, First, please ask what the Lord's will is. So the king of Israel gathered the prophets, four hundred men, and asked them, Should we go to Ramoth-Gilead for war, or should I refrain? They replied, March up, and God will hand it over to the king. Now the king of Israel and king Jehoshaphat of Judah, clothed in royal attire, were each sitting on his own throne. They were sitting on the threshing floor at the entrance to Samaria's gate, and all the prophets were prophesying in front of them. Then Zedekiah, son of Shaniah, made horns from iron and said, This is what the Lord says. You will gore the Arameans with these until they are finished off. And all the prophets were prophesying the same, saying, March up to Ramoth-Gilead and succeed, for the Lord will hand it over to the king. And there we end, day 161 and week 23.